Hi, I'm David Massover. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast, where I'll be interviewing senior sales leaders, sales experts, and sales service providers about what else, what it takes to drive B2B sales revenue. So thanks for being here. Let's get started. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast. My name is David Massover. I'm going to be your host today. And today we have got an extra special guest, one of my very, very good friends, Sebastian Vivacqua. Sebastian, welcome to the podcast. What a pleasure to be here, David. Thanks so much for inviting me. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure for me. I mean that. Sebastian is a terrific guy. He is a sales leader at Hub, which is a tech firm in the fashion industry. But Sebastian has just got so much energy that just isn't enough for him. So Sebastian is a guy who is a certified member of Dale Dupree's Sales Rebellion. He's the host of the Sales Network One podcast and probably about 10 million other things that I haven't mentioned that maybe he'll share with us as we go further and further. But the first thing I want to know is with all of that sales experience and all of that time you're spending thinking about sales, what's the single best piece of sales advice that you've ever received? That's a really good way to start. I would say having mentors around you, having coaches around you, looking for externalizing yourself and and be be sure that you get a lot of feedback around what you're doing and then soaking, bossing, and then absorbing all that knowledge around you and through that new feedback that you're getting and utilize it in a way that you're building assets. You know, you're getting yourself out there to own your process. I love it. So one of the things that's always impressed me about you is your hunger for knowledge. You reached out to me as a mentor. I know you reach out to a bunch of other people. I know that you actually do things with the things that, that you learn from your mentors. And I want to get into that, but I want the flip side of the question too. So you told us what your best piece of advice is, which is make sure and have mentors around you. What's the worst piece of sales advice? Maybe that you haven't received, but that you ever heard. What's the worst? Right. So in that regards, I would say, you know, like be careful with failing, right? So sometimes we're too careful with that. And I, now I'm just going to say that in, in a way that you, they just tell you to be afraid almost like be careful. If, if you don't reach here, we're going to be lost or whatever, you know, they, that's something that I've seen. And I think what I like to say is you got to fail, fail fast, you know, just go for it because uh, you're going to get so many learnings and we continue talking in business about this kind of things. And it's so applicable in sales and something that uh, we were talking about behind scenes, right? Is, is the fact that we, for example, I have, we've been busy, you know, like completely redoing our value proposition within crisis, right? You, you got to build business resilience and, and that has been a, an awesome journey for us to evolve into a new company coming out of the crisis and getting more ready now to like do sales differently. It's the pipeline of the future stuff that we're talking about. It's a really interesting point because the world of sales seems so fixated on, on activity. You know, when you are selling, it is, you know, number of dials and number of conversations and number of demos and number of this and number of that, number of the other. The flip side of that is, you know, you want to take some time and, you know, think about how to do it differently and think about how to do it better. So how do you other than in the midst of a pandemic where it's real convenient, right? You, know, you can spend some time retooling if you're wise enough to do so. But other than that, how do you find the time to balance that 
not only for yourself, but within your team. You're not the only person on the team. So how do you find a way to balance being thoughtful, being proactive, being strategic with executing and getting enough activity in there? Working as a team is very important. So the, we, we got each other's back with, with our team. And, and what we make sure is that whoever can do different activities, we can support each other. We're going to do that. So that's the main thing. Support each other and find that ecosystem within your, within your company. But don't stay in your comfort zone. And that's the one thing that I try to uh, build, you know, workshops around it. And I'm going to give some recommendations here on, I'll call it like an enablement program, sales enablement program, right? And we were looking at this uh, with you as well, behind scenes, in the sense like we got the workshops, I got some workshops split into three main sections, which are cold calling, creating really good emails, and then presentations and demolitions or demos. Now, we look at it in a, in, a, in a perspective of past, present, and future. And we ask certain questions about the past to understand where was the company before? Where were we as a sales team before in terms of call calling? Where are we now? And where do we want to be in the future? So you, got, you ask those set of uh, meaningful questions. But more importantly, get in a room with your team, in this case on Zoom calls, and just start doing call calls together. As you do the cold calls together, finish it up and then ask feedback to each other. So how did it go? What did you think about it? And this is a way of also developing feedback within teams. Because sometimes that's lacking. You know, like you, you got your reps that are just like going full power and it's just pounding the calls, pounding the presentations, their demos, their emails. Day is gone. And then where's the feedback to improve? You got maybe those one-on-ones with your, with your manager every now and then. That's not enough. You got to continuously evolve. And then you got to get together with your team for really good emails and do the same thing. You all get in a room, in this case, in Zoom calls. Show me your top five emails for the week. The ones that got you the, the most creative answers or the best answers that, that of some emails that were different. Let's have a look at those. You know, what's the structure that you're using? Then maybe some of us are sending too long emails and we're like, that's a bit too long, the email. You know, we got to reduce the size of wordings. We got to look at this part here. It looks too like vague, this part of the email. If you send that to me, I wouldn't really understand it. I would probably skip it. And then we give each other that type of feedback, valuable, positive and negative too, so we can continue evolving on really good emails. Now you got the two solid foundations, right? You know, cold calls, really good emails. You get good at that with, with your team. Then you go next level, you start practicing how to do better demos and presentations with customers. So we are on that end-to-end exercises on the workshops. And that's the final piece as well, because you got to truly understand how to present to customers, how to give those demos, but more than anything, get feedback internally. If you continuously do this with your sales teams, I think you're getting a well-oiled process because part of the process is your team getting good at sales, basically, right? So it's not just about quantity. It's also about let's make sure the quality is there. And that winds up getting you a better conversion rate instead of just throwing a higher number of salespeople at a low conversion rate, which seems to be a model that I think far too many are adopting these days. You know, right? So how do you see it out there in this regard? So how many companies do you think are out there doing workshops? Not enough. This is one of the big problems that I'm seeing in the world of sales is there is too much emphasis on quantity and not enough emphasis on quality. So you'll see things like a rep will feel really great because they booked four demos, which you know maybe that's high for them or high for the company. Maybe two is the average or one is the average. And you know they'll get called into their boss's office thinking that they're going to 
get you know some positive feedback and instead they get some negative feedback because they didn't hit their activity goal so you know when you see something like that and i see something like that far too often i hear that kind of story far too often the takeaway yeah. is you know where's the motivation to slow down and say listen we can do better it's not enough that we can do more we can also do better and finding that iteration is is i think really valuable and it's fantastic to hear that that's a, a priority for you in your day job absolutely and i, and I think in general the, the the main take is if i'm gonna leave this with one take is pivot pilot fail iterate and you got to repeat that process you got to be courageous you got to be tenacious with doing this all these things together most important part is you got to be better today than yesterday and you got to focus on that day-to-day improvement as a team, right? And that's where you got to need, you got to make sure that you evolve constantly and you don't stay behind doing the same old things because if you do, you might be part of the campaigns that are not going to be there tomorrow in the future. So I think one of the reasons that, that you tend to see this dynamic in companies where they're very activity focused and not, not so much quality and improvement focused is the quality and improvement stuff can be tough to measure. So how do you address that? If somebody's out there saying, yeah, that's great, but if I can't put it into a spreadsheet, then I can't get it past my boss. How do you measure the results of focusing on quality and these kind of softer things that might improve things over time, but aren't necessarily a number today in a cell on a spreadsheet? Well, everyone needs to ask right here, whoever is here and right now is, do you want to grow sustainably in your business? Is that a focus in your business? Because I think every business should have that focus. In my perspective, in my view, you got to think of sustainability. If you're thinking of quick wins, if you're thinking of getting quick results, you get the wrong mindset. That's not how it goes. You got a manager that is pushing you to just get those quick results. You know what happens? Churn happens. And everyone understands this. Quick in, quick out. So therefore, you got to focus on the quality in the sense like you got to also work out the volumes, right? Because if you, if you only get a couple of deals, you're not going to get anywhere. So you got to also have that balance. But at the end of the day, when you're asking yourself, how do I want to grow? And you ask the question, I want to grow. And you want to say, and you say, the, you say the statement, I want to grow sustainably. You have to really dive deep into your ideal customer profile. Yeah, I know that you know them. You know, many companies have done the exercise, but it doesn't hurt to redo the exercise. You know, you got jobs to be done. You know, you got different ways in which you can reassess where the company's standing by utilizing your existing portfolio of customers to know how to be better out there when you're selling. You know, sell with more empathy. You know that for me, empathy is not just a word, David, because I showed you an empathy map, right? So you know that I can take empathy to a very deep level. And I think that everyone should. What do you think? I think it's awesome, right? Because, you know, if you just think about the concept of empathy map, it's an attempt to say, here's this thing that feels very soft and squishy and unmeasurable. And let's turn it into something that we can really get our arms around, maybe not quantify, but at least analyze. And that's one of the things that's always impressed me about you is your personal leadership style, whether it's self-leadership or within your team or within your coaching clients, it's very data-driven. It's built around things like uh, uh, these two-week sprints with KPI analysis that you've told me about. So yeah. if somebody is listening to this and they're inspired, they want to get beyond measuring the things that are easy and obvious to measure. What's your advice about 
how can someone start thinking about measuring these soft, squishy things in a way that uh, you know, they can present it to their boss? Well, first of all, if you're using Google Doc, Dropbox, start mapping, start building that digital asset, start creating a business case because sales is not just about selling externally, right? Internally, internally, right? And we all know that. So therefore, that's why I, when someone comes to me and they ask me for advice in terms of career advice, I said to them, I've worked in different departments, operations, customer success, you know, you name it, but I've been out there and I know how to relate to my peers from other departments. So you have to be able to sell internally. And that means get good at building business cases internally. That's how you become yourself sort of more, you transition maybe from a rep to a professional because you really take it serious. You're good at building those digital assets and you create the time for that. If you don't think you have the skill or you're half the, the will or you can, you're right now listening and you think, I really don't like it. Well, work in peers. Find a buddy in your sales team it could be marketing too, who knows? And then get together and design this on how you can actually get that asset done so you can sell it to, to your manager. There's always ways. The question is, are you ready to make the time for creating that digital asset that's going to help in the future? There's a very direct analogy with a transactional and a consultative sale. So I think everyone kind of understands the difference. A transactional sale is going to be very simple. It's going to be very closed. A consultative sale requires that you really get into some of this soft, squishy stuff with your customer. You need to really understand where they're coming from, what their situation is, what kind of things they've tried in the past, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what you're suggesting is, okay, let's just turn that around internally. Let's stop thinking about our business and our work as sales professionals in a transactional way and create what we need to create so that we can think about it in a consultative way internally through something like an internal business case. That's it. Reverse engineer your way of thinking, basically. I love it. I love it. One of the things that we also talked about previously was how you work with different departments within Hub specifically marketing. That was a conversation that we talked about. How does that flavor this kind of holistic view to improvement within the sales organization? Well, we're working on it. So it's work in progress for us to unify our entire efforts between sales and marketing. So, but we have it very much in mind that we want to be like one team, like a smart thing, right? At the moment, more than anything, marketing is putting all the efforts on building an inbound engine. And while we are at the moment focusing on getting good in our outbound engine, getting start to get a well-oiled process in that regards, we're getting there. We're working on really cool stuff and building a digital potential for our customers. In that regards, I think I was mentioning to you that we completely like built business resilience through, through the crisis by creating an entire new value proposition and restructuring the way we now sell, basically, in our sales process. It has been an, an, an amazing period to evolve in that say. And how do sales and marketing cooperate around that? You told me about this value proposition exercise where the company really looked inside and, and said, okay, things have slowed down a little bit. Let's take the time to really analyze what's happening here. What role does sales and what role did marketing play working together through that exercise? All right, so here it comes. If you're listening to this, Get good at design thinking because that's super good. You know, like that's part of it. You know, like product management does it. Go and learn from product management. They're amazing at doing design thinking. Bring that design thinking, 
that agile way of working into sales and marketing. It's amazing, you know, like it's amazing the the fact that when you when you start working agile, it might sound like you're putting more pressure by doing two week sprints and checking results back then. It's a nice way to unify teams. Now, what we did, we wanted to work for a, a lot of improvements together, right? So we see sales and marketing. Together. So we got into a room and now we started brainstorming. And we had like 48 ideas that came out. It was intense sessions that we were doing within sales and marketing. It was so much fun. And we we're just putting ideas all over here and there. And then we laid down the 48. I'm going to just summarize it that we landed with eight projects to work and improve. We said a lot of those 48, some of them maybe had the same wording, same terms. We aligned them. We put them in a way that all of them made sense, the eight of them. They had like a nice structure on how you can evolve each process. And like, for example, one of them was just more sales automation for smaller brands, for example. How we can get there, you know, like through video automation, you know, create some really cool videos. We're trying to evolve in that regard as well. And those are the ideas that came through from doing this design thinking exercise. So get together, you know, like sales and marketing, they should get in a room and they should inspire, they should brainstorm. We both are, are, are brilliant at what we do. Let's just fuse it and make it even, a, even better as marketing, so to say, right? And I'm guessing that, that based on a collaboration like that, you, you also wind up with some synergy when it comes time to execute. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And the relationship is there. So therefore, it's a different world, of course. You know, so many companies struggle with this. You know, sales and marketing fight with each other, cats and dogs, oil and water, you know, all of those cliches. It, it sounds like a really good way to say, listen, let's just do these projects together. Let's start them together. Let's work them through together. Let's you know recalibrate and see how they're working together. It, it's a fantastic example. Absolutely, and we're work. We're, it's a work in progress, right? But the most important part is that we're humble enough to say we always want to continue evolving, be I better today than yesterday. I love it. So you are a very active content creator. You are the host of the the Sales Network One podcast. I've been a guest. That was fantastic. Thank you very much. Absolutely. But, What's that all about? I mean, why, why did you start a podcast? What's in it for you? Well, let's just say like, I wanted to do it for myself mm-hmm. more than anything. I wanted to get together with thought leaders, with leaders out there that are crashing it. And I just wanted to like learn, you know, like you probably know it by now, right? I'm, I just absorb knowledge from everywhere and I take advantage of relationships. I mean, who had thought that out of a podcast, right? It was one episode where I invited you. You ended up turning into like a big friend for me, like a mentor, someone that has guided my journey. And I feel like the last year alone feels like five years of evolution in one year. So yeah, but it's still, podcasts are a great tool to learn a lot, right? And it can be also sales channel as well. So I'm working on that. So in the sense like, I'm building a, a podcast for to u- utilize a side project where I can also get leads for half, so to say. I'm also in that regards. And then with Sales Network One, I'll just be interviewing thought leaders all the time. But I'm, I'm working on evolving that. The one thing that I realized is you have to pivot and pilot. And that's what I'm realizing. I'm realizing now it's time to pivot pilot my podcast. So you will likely see it in the future getting rebranded. I might even be doing it with our co-hosts with, within the Sales Rebellion. I have to say this. I never felt like a home 
more in my life. Like I felt at the sales rebellion. I, mm-hmm. I said it to this guys. I said it yesterday and I got, I got, a, I got a little bit emotional too. And I said to them, Jeff Villegas, you know, Dale Dupree. And I also pointed out David Wise. I love you guys. I said to them, you know, like that's how much of a team we are with them, basically, with, with in the, inside the sales rebellion. We got that ecosystem, so to say. I've said this to you before, and I'll say it here again. You are a very inspirational salesperson to me because of your hunger for knowledge. You, you created your podcast so that you could learn. Yeah, maybe you'll pivot and rebrand it and do something else with it. But when I listen to your episodes, your, your early episodes in Sales Network One, this is the impression that you get. is like, Sebastian's just getting smart guys in here that he wants to learn from, and it's really inspirational. If there are other salespeople listening right now, other than starting a podcast like you did, what's your advice to them? How can they take ownership of bringing themselves to the next level? Build new projects on the side for you. So your full-time job, you know, build a side project. What's that side project going to be? It could be a podcast. Build processes, build assets, build content, build articles. You know, if you're listening right now, I'm sure there's some thoughts and perspectives you have. Write them down. Get you know yourself. You're in a position where you still don't know thyself. Work on knowing thyself. I'm going to recommend everyone. And I've now reached that point where I now have five mentors and one therapist. I'm going to start that. You know, like I took that advantage, uh, that advice back then. I was, I was trying to build it. Run the, run the rumors. My, like, like he put it right there, like inside my head. And I was like, five mentors, one therapist. Chick. Because the thing is, not just saying that everyone should. It's more the fact that you got to consider this part, right? To know thyself, sometimes you need that professional perspective on you that no one can give you but your therapist. True story or not? And what do you think, David? I've had a therapist and I thought the most valuable thing was that they reflected back what you were thinking and saying in a way that you hadn't considered it. And, and I think that's a very good way. Whether it's a therapist or a coach or a mentor, I don't think the title matters, but someone to help you see what is going on inside of your head in a way that's different than the way you see it. I think that's immensely valuable. That's it. That's about, you should have, the mentor is different because like for me, you're like, you're a true mentor and a friend, right? Like Dale Dupree is also like a mentor, coach and a friend. And I'm also working with him as well together and developing cool things. But the, the most important part is get yourself together to learn more about yourself because, you know, like, if I would have stumped upon, like, say, I'm going to say here, right, with you, David, and like with Dale, maybe I wouldn't be unlocking a side of me that was just like inside hidden. This is the thing. You guys are leaders that are empowering others. And you're raising up the new leaders for the future, right, that they also want to then empower others. And it becomes like a happy chain. So you don't know what you got you, you to bring to the table. Find out. Uh, but most of anything, do it from a place of love, do it from a place where you have passion, do it from a place where you care, you want to serve, you have this value for community, for fellowship, you don't care about quotas. You have to think differently. You want to change the game, go and do it, build your side projects, start working on yourself. That's, that will be the most important feedback that I want to give to everyone. I love it. So Sebastian Vivacqua, a rep who is inspired and inspirational and doing the work to back it up. If people want to learn more about you and, and, and find places where you're sharing some of your knowledge and your wisdom, what, where's the best place to get more of Sebastian Vivacqua? 
<laughs> on LinkedIn. I'll trust you leave the, the link with the audience, right? Absolutely. In the show notes, look for the link to Sebastian's profile and you can learn maybe not as much about him as I know, but I'm sure that he'll make an effort so that you can try. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I share much more outside LinkedIn, much, much more in that regard. So I'm trying to, of course, like now put more content into LinkedIn, but I spend more time on Slack communities, to be honest. David, I'm going to be honest with you. I spend more time on WhatsApp communities. There's many communities out there where I can reach people one-to-ones better. And I'm using LinkedIn, but I'm just saying to people, just remember that there's other ways to connect better one-to-ones. And I'm enjoying this so much, you know, because I have the opportunity to be doing this outside of LinkedIn with you and having all the conversations that we've had. And it's just so much fun. I'm looking forward to the next one, in fact. (laughs) So be careful when you reach out to Sebastian on LinkedIn, because before you know it, he'll be on every app on your phone. Sebastian, thank you so much for sharing your time (laughs) with us today. It's been really, I'll say the word again, it's been very inspirational to hear about your your approach, your very open approach, your very active approach to to getting better as a salesperson. And and we really appreciate you sharing some of that with us today. Thank you so much for having me again, David. It's been a pleasure. And to all the listeners, thank you for being here and sharing your time with us. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. You've been listening to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast with your host, me, David Massover. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you and your sales organization accelerate growth, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out to me at davidmassover.com or find me on LinkedIn. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes. And thanks for listening. Now, let's go drive some B2B sales revenue.